When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are officially halfway through best ball season. And now's the time that I think we last week we did our little what we were upset about. This week we're going to talk about some of the stuff that we got right. We'll go back to some of the stuff we got wrong. I will do a lot of victory lapping. I am guessing that I am advancing way more teams than Eric Fine for and Best Ball Mania. I think that's something that we should probably focus on for the majority of the show, but maybe we'll hit on a few other things. Um, and we want to know what you guys are doing. What do you think is working in Best Ball this year? What do you see going forward as the state of Best Ball? How do you want to play it? We're going to get into all of that and more on this week's Spike Week football show. I guess I should clarify a little bit, Eric. We are halfway through the regular season for best ball before we hit the playoffs and go through all of that. Um, but yeah, I wanted to make sure that people weren't like, hey, you idiot. It's only week week eight coming up. There's 17 weeks. Didn't you make a song about it, bro? Like, yeah, <laughs> I did. Halfway halfway for the advance rate, bros. Yeah. This is, very, this is very important, right? We get to calculate our advance rate every week and... Um, pretend that it matters a ton right oh, now yeah. so yeah. It's, it's really important this is the best this is the best everything everything that has happened so far is what's going to happen the rest of the year mm-hmm. you know just like we saw last year uh the winners are, de- are declared right now and uh so so uh this report card is really the end this is it as everyone remembers you could stomp on the grave of rashad penny around week eight last year and say i'm so <laughs> glad i didn't take that guy and um yeah you were right clearly like that worked out real well for everybody, right? Yep, exactly. Derrick Henry was the league winner. You were in moron. You know, the zero RB bros are idiots. Yep. You're a moron for fading Derrick Henry. Uh, yeah, Rashad Penny was dust. Amon Ross St. Brown was useless. Hadn't done anything, you know. Um, but it, it, that is an, an interesting kind of uh, like maybe intro or segue into this subject because obviously I'm being facetious and like, what has happened so far matters, right? Like you could have the best week 17 team of all time. If it doesn't advance, it doesn't matter. But like, who knows? Nobody knows. I certainly don't know. Like what's the, how do you tow that line, right? What's the the tipping point? We can victory lap our seven, you know, first seven weeks of, oh, I faded Najee Harris. Like, cool, congratulations. But like if Najee scores four touchdowns in week 17, were you right? Were you wrong? Like, I don't know. It's it's still, this is like such a fascinating discussion to me because i i don't i mean i don't think there's a right answer but i also haven't heard anybody like have any like super strong takes on it or anything well i personally i can victory lap my ass off from best ball mania right now i'm advancing (laughs) 
41 out of 150 at the moment, which oh, is wow. pretty significant. But yeah. here's the catch. My Mahomes exposure is what? Like 40% or something? More than and, 100. Yeah. And the Chiefs are on by this week. So what do we think that 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 advanced rate exposure is going to do after this weekend? It's going to probably plummet, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen what some of these, you know, backup quarterback well not backup quarterbacks but like your best ball backup quarterbacks are doing if you didn't take an elite quarterback they i mean matt ryan literally turned into a ball of dust and like (laughs) exploded into the stadium and he's so dust that the coach is like yeah he's hurt so he's not playing but even if he wasn't hurt he wouldn't be playing and we don't plan to play him ever again so it's that's part of the discussion i do want to have with you i think this is the perfect day to do that as we talk about advance rates as we talk about strategies going forward and we should probably be getting hit with playoff best ball pretty soon for the nfl probably probably pretty soon um just to piggyback on the quarterback thing i mean what like we we talked about you mentioned uh when we talked about the stuff we were tilting like the tight end position and of course Mm -hmm. that's that's worse than quarterback overall but dude quarterback if you don't have like it, it going especially going through that so this past week was horrible for me all my best teams mm-hmm. were you know i'm very heavy bills i'm very heavy uh eagles at least like on all my best teams uh rams right. um all, all like so like i just plummeted this past week i got a but i and then like i drafted not a lot but like russell wilson out so like even though he wasn't on by right he was out and the whole broncos team might as well have been on by you know, you weren't getting anything from the Broncos. Um, I guess maybe 18th round Dolchich was like kind of usable. It's just there was there's, you know, Mac Jones. <laughs> Mac Jones is losing his job to Bailey Zappi. Matt Ryan is benched. Carson Wentz is is hurt. And who knows if he'll, you know, they suck. Um, yeah. I guess they did beat the Packers. So maybe they'll keep fighting or something. But if Heineke wins a few games, are they going to go back to Wentz? I don't know. All these late round guys, right, are just like turning to dust i do this is weird to say because every we're all tilting the falcons like crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> like marcus Mariota is like one of my saving saving graces not that he's like smashing but he's like it's good enough like dude give me 18 if i can get 18 points from a late round quarterback right now like every week like I, i'm happy as a clam and so mm-hmm. quarterback is just really really killing me and um the bye weeks are definitely going to be create like absolutely crazy to see because the the ups and downs are going to be wild i think somebody asked in chat today can you like what's like a good score to look for or like how should i think about my teams basically like that maybe aren't advancing right now mm-hmm. and my honest take was just like dude honestly it's wide open as long as you're if your team is like mostly healthy and like particularly if like you pass the buys already with like a lot of your core guys, maybe you're getting swift back. Maybe you're, you have Hopkins, maybe, you know, those kinds of things like, dude, I don't care if I'm down a hundred points, you can come back in seven, yeah. in seven weeks. So I, I just think it's so wide open right now. Cause it's just, there's so much chaos. Yeah. The, the injuries are starting to pile up. So teams are starting to shift. Um, I think we should, I want to hit on this quarterback point because this has been a point that I've been bringing up like since probably February, and we're and I think it's going to be a big focal point next year as we're talking about building teams, and that is the quarterback position. So for me, I was all about elite QBs this year, mm-hmm. like not just Mahomes. Like if it wasn't Mahomes, I wanted Hurts, I wanted Josh Allen, 
like these are the guys that I absolutely wanted. Like, so for instance, my top quarterback, uh, of course, the the thing just did what I didn't want it to do. My top exposure is obviously Mahomes at 37% in best ball mania. But then my next guys are, you know, Trevor Lawrence, kind of an outlier, was a late round pay, pick, but Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. Like of my top six, it was five of the the five elite guys minus Herbert, right? So, Mm -hmm. and I did this because I see just such a dis like if you don't have one of those guys on like a one week's thing and they go off for 40, you're, you're dust. We saw it. Burrow did it this week, right? Like Burrow went off for 40. (laughs) And if you didn't have Burrow, you were, you were basically dust in DFS. And when you get to week 17, who are all of these guys are going to be starting. It's easier to fade them when some of them are on bye weeks. If Hurts, <laughs> when Hurts and Josh Allen, you could be like, all right, all I got to do is get by Lamar Jackson. And as long as my quarterback gets 20, then I'm good. But week 17, they're all live, man. Like all of these guys are mm-hmm. there to put up 40 points. So my my thought process throughout all of drafting was I want an elite quarterback. And I don't feel good about the team if I don't get one of them. So we saw that during the the resurrection drafts that quarterbacks got pushed up the board heavily. And we alluded to this in the preseason that this was going to happen next year. I thought that they were going to start getting pushed up, but three in the first round, essentially in these resurrection drafts. And I think, I don't know if you'll get three in the first round for regular drafts next year, but you're not getting Mahomes and Lamar and, you know, these guys, Jalen hurts in the fifth round next year. It's not happening. They're getting pushed up and it might just be Josh Allen in the first. And then we're going to have to establish how we want to play this. Like it's going to be a different game because of the quarterback position next year. In my opinion, it's it's definitely going to be a a different game. I totally agree. Like you said, we saw in the resurrection. Um, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it just yet. I haven't, I haven't honestly spent a lot of time thinking about it i definitely agree like that that this year so i was just looking at my just in best ball mania my mm-hmm. um quarterback exposure gosh dang it i just unsorted it um but it is I of course Trey, it is it is of course <laughs> it is of course trey lance at number one which is also part of what's probably hurting me is you know just trey lance um thank god hollywood isn't done for the season uh that that helps uh yeah. but trey lance javante Hollywood I'm trying to think of you know some of these these injured guys uh I keep going through my teams hoping that they're on the same teams I'm like okay oh crap this is a Lance team please God let that be a Javante team and a Hollywood team and you know like let's just throw that team out and keep as many live teams as possible but my quarterback exposure was Lance actually Lance Kyler Mariota Mahomes Hurts then Mac Jones Russ Tua so Lamar is like 10th or something like that which I actually don't feel too 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 terrible about i know you had a couple of of big weeks but i was really focused and you kind of got me on to make sure don't be an idiot just take my home just right. just take my homes i feel i feel good about that i was i was always on lance i don't really feel you know that's just an injury um kyler was really kind of my guy which is not really came through but you you're not like mad that you have kyler you know it was like uh, again somebody in um the discord was like oh man my kyler teams are really sucking i'm like dude kyler is like the least of my concerns <laughs> like he's still scoring like 20 points you know he's scoring 20 points a week like no he's losing to josh allen and stuff but you know uh, it's better that than russell wilson you know would you rather would you rather have russ russ and right. mac jones teams those are actually dead as opposed to kyler so you know i wish i would have 
yeah, I certainly wish I would have done a little bit more like you, but uh, I definitely made kind of the elite quarterbacks with a couple of caveats, right? I got into Mariota. Um, I did like Tua quite a bit and, and Mac Jones, sadly, which is like <laughs> so frustrating to get beat out by Bailey, Bailey Zappi. But I'm wondering about what next year is going to look like. We are going to get an influx of some rookies, which again, have failed us mostly for the last couple couple of seasons, but mm. that hasn't been the case, you know, for the last five years or whatever. And I, I just wonder about like what's the you know I'm certainly not an EV genius, but what's what's the payoff at least? Not even just the EV, but what's the payoff of next year if Bryce Young or something like that, you know, is going in the tenth? You know, lands on whoever the 49ers or whatever you know jimmy will be gone they give up on lance right that but lands in a good spot lands on the colts the colts are going to tank right and they have jonathan taylor and michael Pittman and some reasonable um skill players and they get a, a cj stroud or a or a bryce young or something what's the payoff of that guy as your quarterback getting close enough you know no one's ever going to match josh allen but at a first round or second round price that's why Josh Allen isn't one of my highest owned guys. It, you know, the opportunity cost was like actually fairly real, you know, T Higgins or Josh Allen, uh, you know, in the fifth round, it was like what Jerry Judy, uh, yeah. uh, Brandon cooks, those kind of guys, uh, Brees, I guess, which could have been bad and isn't anymore, but like, the opportunity cost this year made it really clear to me. Like there was a steep drop in that mid tier. It was like Allen Robinson, Brandon cooks, those kind of guys next year. If it gets pushed up, it's like, how do we do this equation of this two V two basically, right? Like the upside low probability shot on the rookie or fields, maybe fields is a ninth round pick next year or something. And they make improvements. We saw his upside last night. I, I really am struggling with this because it's never happened. Before. This is like, I guess since we were like 10 or whatever, you know, when yeah. they used to take, when they used to take the Brett Favre in the first round, <laughs> it's never, it's, it's never happened before. Um, and, and it's like, so against my nature and like everything I feel comfortable doing when I have to pass on whatever, uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, those guys for, for a quarterback, you know, um, I don't know what you think about it. It's, it's the evolution of the position, right? So, Let's go back 12, you know, 13 years when Michael Vick was the only one that was capable of putting up 40. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget the, the Monday night game, how much I was down in my in my actual fantasy league. And all I had was Michael Vick left and I had to get like 32 points. And I'm like a quarterback will never score 32 points. And here's Michael Vick <laughs> and Deshaun Jackson loading up 90 yard touchdowns every other drive. And I get there. But now it's not just Michael Vick. It's there's five, you know, five guys with some guys that are still capable of doing it outside of those five that can do it every week. Like Josh Allen can get you 40 almost every week. Lamar Jackson, when the team's healthy, can get you 40. Mahomes, he he's throwing to my garbage man right now, basically. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, and and he's dropping 30 point weeks every week. So the the position has evolved and we need to and i saw it this year and like i feel like i'm like trying to like gloat but i saw it coming this year that's why i was like real heavy on on i thought we were getting value at a lot of these guys lamar Mahomes in the fifth round i was fading herbert because i was like why would i grab herbert yeah. before grabbing Mahomes or lamar it doesn't make sense to me um uh, and hurts we were all i mean if we were all if you were about the eagles passing game you should have been grabbing hurts 
at yep. a high clip, especially earlier before he flipped Murray. Like we were all shocked when he flipped Kyler, but mm -hmm. it made sense. Like, like in a vacuum, they've actually flipped positions this year where last year Hertz was a solid 18 to 20 every game, but he was never going to get you a ceiling. And Kyler had that 40 point ceiling. Now they're like reversed where Hertz is capable of hitting for 40. If he ever gets anyone that pushes them. So all that being said, I don't, I don't really know how to play it next year, but I think they're all getting pushed up and not just the, not just the elites that's going to push up for me. The, the last tier was who you brought up Tua and Lawrence yep. this year were like my, like where I always wanted to end my, yep. my QBs. And that was what 12th round, 11th round, yeah. somewhere in that mm -hmm. wheelhouse. That's probably going to be ninth round, maybe higher. <laughs> and we need to, we need to, we're going to have to take the off season. And I think this, is especially why you're going to want to draft early next year because I think you're going to be able to get those mm. QB values early. And then I think that the QBs are just going to get bubbled up to the top on every level. So you are going to be people were worried about getting locked out of quarterback this year. It's going to be like nothing once, once you know, July, the end of July, early August hits next year. That's a really good point. I love the early drafting idea. The other thing that happens, um, comparing early versus late drafting is just there's so many more draftable guys mm -hmm. early that the pool the player pool is 300 players or something like that right? right because there's there's these dudes who end up right trey sermon gets cut but he's going in the 16th round or whatever right brashad perriman last year etc there's all these guys that look draftable in june so the player pool expands which just allows not everybody, right? Josh Allen isn't going to fall because of that, but it might allow Tua, Fields, whatever, who, who, pick a guy, right? It might it allows something like kind of what happened with Kyler this year. When Ky you know, Kyler ended up falling more, but he was like the last of that tier once Hertz flipped him, mm -hmm. and then but just as the, over the course of the off season, it's like well, sometimes guys get hurt, or we just learn more information, right? We learn that this guy is like this dead zone running back is like oh shit. <laughs> the uh, this guy's like Cam Akers, we can't draft him. Uh, you know, what turned out to what we thought was maybe Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs starts in the fifth round, ends in the ninth. The, there's movement amongst these other players because we learn so much, but quarterbacks like stable, right? We know who the starting quarterbacks are outside of like San Francisco this year, people thought, right? Or uh, one or two spots. We know that Pittsburgh, we know the starting quarterback. So those guys don't really fluctuate. Right. So as the player pool shrinks, what happens to the quarterbacks? They all go. They all have to go up because the uh, the positions players are only dropping. You know what I mean. And mm -hmm. so um, drafting early is how you can get not necessarily again not necessarily on Josh Allen, but even if you're not getting value, you know, like closing line value on Josh Allen and Mahomes and all of that, you can get closing line value on other players. Yeah, Justin right? Fields is probably going to be a big one next year, or, or or the skill players, right? So you didn't get value on Mahomes. But like this year's George Pickens, this year's Ramondre, this year's right. These guys who went from much yep. later to absolutely skyrocketed up boards, Sky Moore, who, you know, is a bust, but skyrocketed up boards like the early thing is both able to get value on maybe that quarterback that does rise the Trey Lance of two years ago. 
right? Mm-hmm. If you drafted early, you got Trey Lance in like the 14th round. Why do you think everybody was touting him? Because like if he won the job, he's a 14th fucking round pick. That, and with with the quarterback stuff that you're talking about is absurd, absurd right. value. And now we insert somebody else, Fields, one of the rookies, to uh, Lawrence, whatever. And now, you know, who knows what's going to go on with Brady? Maybe somebody ends up right. Maybe Brady goes to San Francisco and somebody else goes to Tampa. There's just so many ways for you to extract value by drafting early and the quarterbacks stand to benefit from that the most really. Yeah. So that I think is going to be, I think it's not only going to be a big discussion between us, but I think the entire like industry is going to be having this discussion next year. Yes. And I just want to make sure that we are ahead of it. That we are like one of the first ones that are having this discussion before anyone else, like not to just tout it, but because I think it's very important. So you think you you think people struggle with like zero just zero RB? It's like zero RB is proven to work. Robust RB, right? Vice versa. The two, right? The the two, the budding of the heads of of the running back bros versus the wide receiver bros. You think people like put their head in a pretzel over arguing that shit? Wait till we got six quarterbacks in the first three rounds or two rounds or whatever like people are going to lose their because there's going to be people like you can't do that and then they draft like normal and their teams are mac jones and baker mayfield or whatever and like they're dead it's over like it because at a certain point you can say this is not right but like you said if you get locked out it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong because your team is dead. You, right. you donated. You, you, you can't be stubborn and be so, so stubborn that you build bad teams. You have to draft in the environment that you're in, right? You don't want to leave your whole 150 in BBM without the elite quarterbacks. Like you have to dip your toe. You know, it's like hopscotch. You got to get in there at some point. But like, you know, I don't know what the right strategy is over a portfolio, but you can't just, you know, it can't be binary. You can't say, this is right or this is wrong. I, I you know, so it's going to be fascinating. I'm, I'm really, really interested to see how that goes. It's, it's one of my favorite things is to do like a poker analogy. So back in the day, day, like when you were playing poker, the only time that you would three bet or re-raise somebody that already raised, you only did it with aces or Kings or Queens or, you know, the top five premium hands. Once people started like three betting with seven, eight suited, like the the OG bros of poker were like, you can't do that. That doesn't make sense and blah, blah, blah. And guess what happened to them? They got dusted off. Yep. Like and left for dead because the game evolved without them. So that's every year we need to be looking at what is the evolution of best ball going to be and how can we get ahead of it? So this, I think, is going to be a staple of that discussion next year. So we Definitely. can we can kind of Mark, put it. Mark's it. I, I just want to hit this. Yeah. What you said is, is what marks the cost is, is the cost. The market decides the efficiency of all this. You can do what you want with it. You can, like you said, you can be the OG bro and be like, I'm not taking a quarterback there. Right. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not making that raise. That's stupid. But mm-hmm. like, if you don't evolve with the game, same thing has happened in DFS, right? Guys are playing different teams. Go watch, go watch whistles. If anybody knows whistles, go woo, you know, Ricky D all these guys, the best players in the Ricky D just won a million dollars. Why are they the best? It's because they're always evolving with the game. They're doing different things that other people aren't doing. And they're like leaning into, to this stuff. And if you don't figure out a way to be effective in that new environment, it doesn't matter if you, if like what your principles are, right. That's not, that's not the plus EV way to draft. Well, if the market dictates it, it, it as such, 
Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to win a tournament with a bunch of Mac Jones, Carson Wentz teams? No, you're not. You're just dead. Yeah, you're going to be absolutely dead. So um, good point by Vadim, who says, oh, sorry. Some, some would say we skate to where the puck goes, which is true. That is, that is what we need to do. That's what we needed to be evolving. And that's how we can stay ahead of people. We thought best ball grew this year, right? What do you think is going to happen next year? All the underdog commercials started hitting the yeah. screen. Like I, I remember taking a day off this past this past um, drafting season. I'm like, I'm not drafting. I'm not opening the underdog app. I went out to grab a drink with somebody, and while I was at the bar, three underdog commercials came on, mm-hmm. literally. And I'm just like, I can't escape it. So like, if I can't escape it, and the casuals are starting to see it at the bar, I'm gonna have a video coming out in the next week or two about this. But like. It's going to be even bigger next year. There's going to be even more people doing it. You you can draft the team and you don't have to set your lineup. People are going to go nuts. Like like, and the more people discover it, the bigger it's going to get. So it's going to be. Um, we want to stay ahead of those people. We want to get the people in that are like drafting like it's their home league, right? Like where, you know, they were told that they need to draft running backs and they can punt quarterback because they could do that in 2014. And we want to be ahead of that. But let's end the quarterback discussion. Yeah. What is something you would like to victory lap from the offseason that you were doing that seems right? See, I think people might disagree with this because running backs have some of the high end running backs have bounced back a little bit, mainly Eckler, right? Eckler, Eckler mm-hmm. is now the, the, the RB1. Um, and he's been awesome. He's been great. I mean, shit. Luckily, I've been playing him in DFS, so we're 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 hedging we're hedging our bets with the uh, the Eckler fade, but then playing him every week in in DFS while he scores forty freaking fantasy points. But um, it to me, it is it is absolutely zero running back, and and not not just like literally building zero running back teams, but like a zero running back like approach to your portfolio. I have it was more Saquon for me like anchor Saquon and Javante Saquon and Javante were like more of my most frequent anchors. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of a, it's a 50, 50, uh, you know, 50% hit rate. Um, you, you would have like, if, if you did it with like Saquon and Eckler as like your two anchors, like you're just absolutely printing money. And of course I wish I had a little bit different blend, right. A little more Josh Jacobs, a little more Ken Walker, whatever, but that just is what it is. But like that was like this quarterback meta that we're talking about, the, the, the running back thing was the next evolution to me, like talking about skating to where the puck is going, seeing how offenses are changing, seeing how the, the NFL is changing from a passing perspective, like just all these kind of uh, we also talked about this with the Eagles, right? The, the Eagles were showing us what they wanted to do. Well, the NFL has been showing us what they want to do, and it is more passing and not even just more passing, but more like committee style backfields. And then. When the committee, when the, you lose a member of that committee, or maybe someone just shows themselves, right? Ramondre may be starting to take over. ETN started to take over. The better mm-hmm. play, Brees started to take over. The better player starts to show himself. They earn more work. And so uh, a zero running, those guys are never going to be expensive in drafts, relatively speaking, or at least, at least not relative to their talent. And so focusing your roster construction around Though the, the not even just talented running backs, but contingency based running backs with the superstar wide receivers and the superstar tight ends and the superstar quarterbacks, right? Those are all the big, the, the easiest way to gain an edge. If you have Josh Jacobs and Ramondre Stevenson, do you do you give a shit if you have Austin Eckler? No, you probably want Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews right. uh, or or Stefan Diggs or Jamar Chase or Cooper Cup. You want those guys when you have 
these smash running backs. And there's tons of them, right? Melvin hasn't really hit, but the thesis for Melvin Gordon has hit, right? The thesis for Daryl Henderson has hit. The thesis for Eno Benjamin has largely hit. Like there's a million of them, tons. And so um, you just needed to hit the, you know, just hit, needed to hit the right combination. I only have a handful of teams that have kind of really hit that combination. But man, if you do, you got Ken Walker and Ramondre and Josh Jacobs and, you know, all uh, Daryl <laughs> Henderson and all these guys on a team, you're just with, with, with like Lamont, where with uh, Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek and you're just, shitting on everybody you know it was the easiest way to win this year in my opinion so just the just because you hit on some of the guys i think we brought up the team last week but me and pete's big dog team right our running backs are fournette Brees hall which is unfortunate ramondre josh jacobs kenneth walker and we're in the, the big dog and the we are literally the nuts i know Brees got hurt Right. But if Brees if Brees is healthy, that is the absolute stone cold nut running back room, and you didn't even spend a top two round pick, three round pick on them. And you advance four in the big dog. You advance four out of twelve, and we are in first with nine eighteen. Second place is eight twenty six, and we built a good team around it. We have Hertz at a quarterback. We have CD. We have AJ Brown, like as our top two wideouts. I mean, our we're running pure at tight end too with Everett and Mike Gusecki. But like, we built that team specifically because people were fading running backs. Like in, in the dead zone rounds that we got Josh Jacobs, like 50 picks past ADP or something like that. It was absolutely bonkers. So yeah, you can build these teams properly. And we don't, I'd look at that team. I'm like, even with Brees going down, I'm like, I don't need Eckler on this team. I'm no. glad we drafted, you know, um, God, I already forget who we drafted in the first round on that team. <laughs> As we talked, CD. we drafted CD in the first round and like, no one loves drafting CD in the first round, but it got us a CD AJ Brown combo. Like in that, you would rather that, have that with that running back room when you the advantage of hitting on Jacobs, Walker, Brees. Yeah. That like that is that is you're getting a a weekly projection and a weekly ceiling close enough to Eckler, and then you're getting the superstar wide receiver that those tenth round wide receivers cannot match. Right? We love to talk about like oh. Well, maybe not recently. Drake London is a hit and Garrett Wilson is a hit and these middle round white Jacoby Myers is a hit and they're a hit for their draft cost, but they cannot match what AJ Brown can do on a weekly basis. Cannot do it. Won't ever do it. Not possible. But look what Ken Walker can do close enough from a ceiling compared to Austin Eckler. Josh Jacobs has the same ceiling right now. The guy is just going nuts every single week. So it's a 2v2 game, right? Would you rather have Ramondre? And AJ Brown or Eckler and freaking Jacoby Myers, uh, Ramondre, of course, the, the Ramondre side, of course. Right. So like that, that team, I've been like monitoring that team because I'm like, wow, we drafted a really good running back room in that team. We get Fournette in the second, we get AJ Brown in the third, and we just hit the nuts at running back and we're off to the freaking races. And to this point, going back to next year, do we think that this is going to change the landscape of how people draft? Are they going to be pushing wide receivers up and are we going to have to pivot? I don't think we're going to have to right away, but if the trend continues that way, we might have to start looking at how we're going to pivot into these spots. I, I think this is the, the, the second big thing um, to quarterback. That's going to be the evolution and not just because of, <clears throat> you know, people will say like, Oh, it's the, the silly, you know, 
zero RB bros or whatever content creators pushing all this stuff. But when you, when we see the results play out like this and mm-hmm. we're not even that far into the season, right? This is a, a mid season of the a midway point of the regular season. We're not even, we're 10 weeks away from, from, from the end of the, the, the end of the actual best ball season. And we already have basically lost, you know, all the top end running backs in terms of their expectation over the field. Right. So Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Diggs, all those guys still have maintained their gap over the later round wide receivers. We're only in week seven. And if you go, I, so I do uh, the Battle Royale rankings and stuff like that. And a little mm-hmm. peek behind it's, it's only it's only Tuesday. We haven't fine tuned the projections and stuff like that. The current highest ceiling projection at running back on the slate is Josh Jacobs over uh, the main slate. Over Derrick Henry against the Texans. Yes. Over Derrick Henry against the Texans. They're close, right? Like these guys are all close, but you're getting by week seven, you're getting an eighth round running back that has the same weekly projection and weekly ceiling as first round running backs yeah. by week seven. Not, and this is setting aside last year. We would talk about, oh, Rashad Penny, right? You mentioned Rashad Penny by week 17, Rashad Penny had gotten there, but like you had, you still had to get the Rashad Penny team there because he didn't do shit during the entire regular season. We're getting these guys now. We're getting these guys instantly. Mm-hmm. And so, like, assuming health, you're going to have just superstar teams with those running backs. And so, you know, we'll see what, what happens with those running backs next year, right? What is Ramondre's cost? What is Jacob's cost? What is ETN's cost? Those kinds of things. But I think the, the these dusty old running backs and dusty young running backs, Najee, sorry, Felix, are going <laughs> to are, are gonna fall. And who's going to rise up? the wide receivers because all the wide receivers are just crushing, you know, who, I mean, like think of it just like off the top of your head and not to put you on the spot, but who's going to be a first round running back next year. Like right now, CMC CMC on the, on the 49ers, um, Eckler. I think ETN will be, you think uh, ETN's going to bump up the first round next year. I mean, well, he's got the opportunity now to do it now without Rob with, with Robinson gone. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens the rest of the season, obviously. But if like if I had to say right now today, it would be him. I, I think I, I think I think the mar- maybe not the first round, but Bijan Robinson, depending upon where he lands from Texas, the mm. ro- he'll be a rookie rookie next year. He's like the best the best college running back I've ever seen. The dude is just unbelievable. He'll he'll land somewhere. Kyle Shanahan will probably trade up for him or something and get another running back because um, you know that's what he's got to do. But um, I'm trying to think. I would still think JT, but it's going to depend again yeah. on how on how he closes this year because it hasn't been pretty so far. Um, not yeah. Kamara, not Derrick Henry, not Najee, not Dalvin. Yeah, not I mean, Mixon. Like, these guys are all going to be pushed down, and there's like not guys that are rising up to replace them for the most part. So I think you're going to see maybe only three, maximum probably four running backs. One quarterback, which will be Josh Allen, Allen. maybe Andrews, Andrews, Kelsey, Kelsey depends on again. I mean, Kelsey looks the I know he's old, but doesn't look like anything has changed to me, and his role certainly hasn't certainly hasn't changed. And then the kind of another midseason, you know, thing the tight end position, like we talked about last week, is a disaster, right? So, like, if we're gonna push guys up, let's push them up at the positions where I can't get. Josh Jacobs in the ninth round, right? Good. Uh, tight end, compare tight end to like r- the running backs in that range. 
let's see, you took Dalton Schultz plus uh, Dalvin Cook <laughs> or Travis Kelsey plus Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> like, it's just, it's not even, you know, it's not even freaking close. And so I think the tight ends, tight ends, quarterbacks, superstar wide receivers with a sprinkling of those, those like high upside young running backs. I think everybody's, I think everybody's going to finally give in to the Mixons, Dalvins, Kamara's, those older running backs. It's going to finally kind of be over for them as, as first round picks. Yeah. And disregard Gotham. I know he's in the background great. going, I this, love it. but uh, today is his sixth birthday. So oh, he's allowed, nice. Uh, ours are six. Ours are six too. Nice. Yeah. He, he's six years old today. Um, I saw this point that Al brought up earlier. Shout out to Al. I think he shows up in my uh, hometown ghost stories chat as well. But my first year maxing BBM and realizing your team running pure with no serious injuries is half the battle. Absolutely. 80% of the battle. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's like, like all the battle. It's like 80%. Like you're dragging teams. Like we were talking about before how you were still dragging CMC teams to the playoffs, but mm-hmm. you were essentially dead with those teams once you got there for the most part. So yeah, staying healthy is like a gigantic part of the battle. Just getting through those teams is, is amazing. I'm going to talk about one of my biggest misses so far this year. And I think it's Mark Andrews. Well, I know it's Mark Andrews. Yep. I was skeptical of taking him in the second round because I thought that there were guys, you know, not even just Kyle Pitts, but when you were looking at like your, your Goddard's and your Dawson Knox's and, you know, even your Hawkinson's here and there, like in that late seventh, eighth round or whatever, I'm like the drafting spot, like value of that second round pick when I could get Tyree kill, I could get Mike Evans. I could get AJ Brown. I was like, man, I really just don't want to pound Mark Andrews here because I want all these other guys. And I, my Mark Andrews exposure is extremely limited. Um, If I look right now, I'm looking at, 3% 3% exposure in best ball mania, which is not great. Um, so he, and he's been crushing and he's, it's funny because the year before I was way overweight on Mark Andrews and I was one of the guys that he dragged. Yes, I know. Yeah. yeah. I was like, we're getting too much value on Mark Andrews. I need to take him in the fifth round or whatever it was at that point in time. And then he gets bumped all the way up to the second round. And I'm like, Oh man, look at these wide receivers that are here. Yep. Or Javante Williams, like was another guy like in his range. Saquon early on. Yeah. Saquon right. early on. And you still don't feel bad about drafting a lot of those guys, you know, RIP Javante, but you know, Tyreek Hill, are you upset that you drafted Tyreek Hill? Absolutely not. Hell no. Right. You want to talk uh, about get a dude to get a dude to week 17 and you feel really like who, who is the best candidate to be Jamar chase of last year. He's at the top of the list. Yeah. So like for me, maybe I missed out on some Andrews and I should have concentrated on getting him a little more, but I don't even think, I don't know how, because of who was around there. And even if I time travel, them, like you need Mark Andrews, I don't know how I would play that second round. Would I be looking at like, well, maybe I'll take Tyreek at the end of the first round and then I'll come back around and grab Mark Andrews or something like that. And those are the things that I, I constantly talk about. I'm like, we need to not like be, you know, beholden to the ADP. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to do that. And yet, 
I didn't grab enough <laughs> combos of the late second round guys. And depending on how ADP shakes out next year, maybe I need to be looking at trying to take, you know, 12, 13 pick, take Tyree Kill, Mark Andrews to get A, that combo would have been like pretty unique this year. And B, it'd be freaking absolutely killing. Everybody. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that your final point is the answer for me. Um, maybe it's a little stubbornness in, as, I, as I get older or whatever, but I feel confident like 99% of the time, like in my process, like you look back and you're like, even when you're wrong, which I've been wrong, same thing as you. I have, I have three Mark Andrews BBM teams. The only, the only saving grace with Mark Andrews for me is I have him on my best, my best team in the, the 555 on, on draftings. Uh, mm. Eagles onslaught with Cooper Cup and Mark Andrews. Oof. So that, that, yeah, that team is just absolutely annihilating. Um, it's still in first by like 100 points, even though like I, I had like one extra person to fill out a starting lineup this week and Mark Andrews didn't do anything. <laughs> he had like uh, my, the team, I, I used like four Jaguars and like Jarek McKinnon score and Mark Andrews, like <laughs> one point at tight end. And it's still up by like a, a hundred or something. So that's, that's like, uh, it's still keeping me a Mark Andrews fan, but my, my thesis basically goes back to what you said about last year. So last year, the price on Mark Andrews in whatever the fifth, sixth round was not taking into account the fact that his volume could grow from what the expectation was when we knew he was an efficient player, right? It was the, mm-hmm. it was the, the tight end argument that we made for Javante Williams this year. At per touch, he's going to crush. No one argued that. He's awesome at football. No one argued that. No one also argued that the offense wasn't awesome or potentially awesome. <laughs> we were all wrong about that. But with the Ravens, the Ravens offense is going to be good. So at the five, six turn or whatever he was, there was nothing but profit. You, you really couldn't fail. E- even if they only threw it 400 times, like they did, they threw it like 400 times the year before. That's why his price was, and he didn't run all the routes. Right. And so it was like, he only had room to grow from there. He was like a, can't, he was like a, not even like a small loss, big win. He was like a zero loss, big win player last year. Fast forward to this year he gets pumped up into the you know mid to late second round as a tight end when the year before the the, the Ravens pass rate ballooned for reasons that we should not expect to continue right mm-hmm. the defense collapsed the team basically collapsed Lamar got hurt um, and Lamar wasn't targeting him like Tyler Huntley was you know the de- they were the defense was giving up 40 points every week so they had to throw they threw it like it was, it was something like 650, 670 times or something like that. He ran more routes last year than the Ravens threw passes two years ago. And so, like, everything fell together, which is great for Mark Andrews, but then that was baked into his new cost. And so I was like, I felt comfortable being like, he is a serious, he's going to be great, like, from a per-route basis and all that. But like you said, I have to give up Tyreek Hill. I have to give up A.J. Brown. I have to give up Saquon Barkley. I have to give up you know, a lot of really good players to get him and I can get Kyle Pitts a little later, or I can take Kelsey who is, was a little more locked into me. I can get, I really like Goddard, right. Etc. But I think the answer was that can be right. And you should still given his upside at the tight end position, want to mix him in. So figure out smart ways to do it where you're not sacrificing, right? If you're willing to take, we had the CD lamb conversation last week. If you're willing to take CD lamb, reach on CD lamb in the late first, 
reach on Tyreek Hill in the late first and then take Mark Andrews in the early second. You're accomplishing your uniqueness and mm-hmm. you're getting you're getting exposure to the crazy high upside guys in like a dead pocket of the draft or take Saquon. You don't want to sacrifice Saquon. Take Saquon 11th and take Mark Andrews at the early second. So I think it's just thinking through those things a little bit more for me next year. Um you know how to how to target the kind the kinds of players you should target instead of being so stuck on I don't think he's worth it at this cost. I think that was that's actually one of the things that I hate most about what like our industry does is they're like, oh, this guy can't pay off a second round price, so I can't take him. And I think I fell into that with with Mark Andrews. Yeah, so I think that this compounds with something else we've talked about for me, where we were looking at some of our exposures for the late first round guys. So, for example, Austin Eckler for me, 1%. Derrick Henry, 5%. Dalvin Cook, you know, four percent and Najee six percent and all these guys that i'm mentioning joe mixon seven percent i have my my average adp differences in the green meaning i was only getting them when they were of value for the most part but at the end of the day at that range who cares literally who cares right so that's what i'm that's what i'm looking at here and i'm like if i had just decided to mix in the guys i liked like even saquon i have 11 percent saquon why don't I just grab him at that point? I'm already taking him in that wheelhouse. Just grab Saquon at that late first round, grab Deandre Swift, come back and grab, you know, Debo, Mark Andrews, Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown. Like that's what I'm going to be looking at next year. If I'm very uncomfortable with the late, the late first round picks, I'm just going to skip them. I'm just going to be like, I'll just do, I'll just do some, some different combinations with these second round guys because the value is essentially the same as the late first round guys. Yep. Now my combinations are unique. I like my teams better and I'm more comfortable with the guys that, that I actually took. And who cares if I didn't get Dalvin cook, right? Like, yep. Yep. So I don't know it if was we'll big, have that. Good. I, I was just going to say it was, it was, it was a big miss, not because it was something we didn't see coming. Those are the frustrating misses. I think it was, it was not because we we identified a dead zone of the draft, right? Once you get past, we had the top five that we all agreed on. Toss Eckler in the top six. Toss, toss. I, I had Eckler after these guys, but Diggs, Devontae, Kelsey, right? We, you, I think you agreed with me, right? You have the top mm-hmm. five, Diggs, Devontae, Kelsey, Eckler. So there's your top whatever. Yep. After that, it was all the same until you got to like <laughs> A.J. Brown. All the same. So we ident- but we identified that and and we were willing to do it with CeeDee Lamb of all people. He was the one and, and a little bit of Saquon, maybe I was. We were willing to do it with him, but we didn't we didn't think about doing it with like you said, Andrews, Tyreek, all these other guys. I did start doing it with AJ Brown later in the, the draft season, yeah. which I'm happy about. But yeah. then I got tunnel vision. Like, right. I got tunnel vision on doing it with CD. I got tunnel vision on doing it with AJ Brown. And I didn't take a step back and be like, Hey dummy, do this with Mark Andrews. Yeah. Like it, it would have been that easy. And I, I would have never been like crazy overweight on Mark Andrews, but I, right. I, I would, I should have got, I should have given my strategy. I should have, it should be more. Yeah. I should have, I should have had 12% Mark Andrews. Like in, in a nutshell, like just looking at who I draft around that spot. I mean, obviously, I went a little nuts on Javante. I don't regret it because I think if he didn't get hurt, he'd be 
he'd be a smash right now. I mean, Correct. you could say that all about a lot of guys. Uh, but even if I if I just mixed in a few more Andrews teams from that exposure, I wasn't big on Aaron Jones. So we can even do this in the second round. Like Aaron Jones is still very good, but I had three percent Aaron Jones. Who cares at that point, right? <laughs> Like, like, what does 3% Aaron Jones do for me? 2% Alvin Kamara. Again, I got him at, like, crazy good ADP. But why? Like, why am I drafting Alvin Kamara if I'm only getting 2% of him? I'd just rather have more bullets on some of these guys that I'm, like, more inclined to have. And I think that's something I might bookmark this video to go back and listen to at the beginning of drafting season next year just to remind myself, like, Here's what I need to do. Here's the traps you fell into. You like I fell into the first round ADP thing. You get stressed out. It's like everyone thinks that Dalvin Cook's first rounder still, and I clearly don't. But here he is, four spots past ADP. Why wouldn't I grab him here when I'm getting you know? And just like you, you talk yourself into it. And I want to make sure that I don't talk myself into those spots, especially. When I was harping on the fact that, like, if you like two fifth round wide receivers or two guys in the fifth round, grab one of them in the fourth. Get that get that exposure to those guys. So why wasn't I doing it in the first and second round? I think that was like my one of my biggest misses of the entire drafting season. Same. I don't have regrets about Javante, <clears throat> Trey Lance, even other other <clears throat> misses that weren't um, injury related. I, I really don't have like. MVS hasn't totally hit. He he should have just went absolutely fucking nuclear this week. I, I, I will never, I will never let Patrick Mahomes live down that throw. That was a freaking seventy yard touchdown that it should have been. To- so first of all, MVS should have like three bomb touchdowns this year. So everybody mm-hmm. who said you know MVS was a stupid pick because he sucks can suck it because you're wrong. Uh, Mahomes just couldn't get him the ball. Also, everyone who said you know Tua can't get Tyreek the ball. And, you know, oh, Tyreek only smashed because Mahomes can actually throw it down the field. Mahomes has missed so many goddamn throws down the field. Like, it's triggering the shit out of me. Like, he just – MVS was five yards past the DB, and Mahomes underthrew it. Like, Tua would have – Tua could have got that further further than that. So, I don't want to hear about the arm strength shit anymore with the Mahomes versus Tua because he keeps missing those throws. Until he starts connecting on these bombs, I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. But I'm comfortable with, again, MVS, Javante, right? All – Tons of misses. Got plenty. Kyle Pitts, honestly, I don't really give a shit. I, 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 I don't. I, maybe I was wrong that I, I should have seen the fact that the Falcons were only going to throw twelve times a game coming. But uh, you know, I didn't see that coming. I'm comfortable betting on Kyle Pitts. It is what it is. But this thing, uh, uh, we talked about it last week. You've talked about it now. Where like I identified something, and then I wasn't able to kind of apply it. And partially because, like you said, smart people, other people that I trust or whatever are like, yeah, Dalvin Dalvin Cook's like the eighth overall pick. And I'm like, I don't know. Dalvin Cook's like my 17th overall player. (laughs) Like, I, you know, I and even then I still don't really want to take him because I like the wide receivers. I'm just being kind of, you know, building in some of that, uh, some of that to your rankings. And I think I've got my, my DFS year has started to go better. When I've just been like, no, this is my belief that I, I don't care what, like, I love these other smart people, but like, I'm, you know, this, this week, you and I talked about it um, on Sunday and since the, the chiefs, I was like, it's just the chiefs, the chiefs and the Cowboys were the two things. Uh, the only things I cared about in terms of stacking on Sunday, that's what I was going to do. 
I did it. It worked out. It went well. Had it had a, had the best Sunday that I've had all all year. But falling into that trap over the, it's easier to fall into that trap over the course of four months mm-hmm. of the off season of being just like, oh yeah, look, oh Dalvin in the early second round. Sure, now now I'll take him as opposed to just sticking sticking to your plan and sticking to what you believe in. And um, that's definitely a big a big thing that I'm going to try to do much 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 better next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all offseason we were talking about leaning into our biases, and that's what we were trying to do. And we were like, we're leaning into them harder. And now I'm like, next year, I'm like, now I need to lean into them even harder next year. Like, I had to keep leaning yeah. in, and and we still have that little bit of fear. I think everybody has it. Like, you get you get real nervous drafting a guy, especially early. Like, especially when you're in the first round, you're like, everyone thinks this guy's a first rounder. I have to press mm-hmm. this draft button on them. And you got to like, and it's not easy. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's easy to like pass up on some of these guys in the first round or reach and be like, maybe I could have got them on the comeback or like I could get my exposure some other times, but I'm going to be very heavily looking at this stuff when I'm drafting next year. I was already doing it with the fourth round, the fifth round, you know, even the third round and beyond. I got to make sure I'm doing it right from the jump right from that first round if i if i'm if i don't want joe mixon guess what i'm not going to draft joe mixon um sorry the draft doesn't care about where specific right we make these stupid rules where it's like oh you know you 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 just kind of let the first couple picks fall into how how it falls into you and then i'm right i'm gonna get you like usually people talk about it with uniqueness right i'm gonna get unique you know, later, or I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to take two fifth round wide receivers, one in the fourth, one in the fifth, I'm going to, whatever, I'm going to take some crazy off the board guy in the 18th round, which literally couldn't fucking matter less. We, right. we, we, we spend way too much time talking about that, but the draft doesn't care. We identified correctly after it was really after the top five, but after the top eight that like, it didn't matter for probably for multiple rounds. You probably could have taken Josh Allen 10th overall, honestly. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter, but we, we, like you said, we gave in to kind of the human element and it, that's probably my biggest, my biggest regret and my biggest thing. I, I, I won't forget it next year. I promise you. And we've talked about it enough that I definitely won't forget it. Right. And it's just, and, but talking about it consistently really helps drive home the point. And so th- this point of Chad brings up best ball content group think got two out of hand. I think that's true. And to some extent, but I think that some of the group think was spot on. Like, I, I yeah. think that if you were listening to the group think you were off of some of these guys that aren't doing much for you. Right. So like, it depends on which parts you want to listen to. We all get on our guys, Kyle Pitts being one of them. Like it's understandable why everyone was on Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Right. Like it makes sense. Um, it just, the only reservation was the offense. So I think we're actually already getting close to an hour. Um, I want to ask you, is there an offense that you want a victory lap that we want to give like an A++ for that you're super happy that you were on? I mean, there's a few that make a ton of sense for this. That is an excellent question. Again, I'm going to sort by my exposures. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to flip this to maybe what was possibly the, opposite intent of Mm -hmm. the question yeah and andy brings up i got two i'm gonna cheat i got two but andy brings up in the chat the dolphins Mm -hmm. 
Dolphins are one. I think back to, so I wrote an article closer to the end of, of draft season, right? The whole year had the whole draft cycle had percolated on me. And I'm like, let you listen to kind of, kind of some of what Chad said with the group think where everybody says, this is how this team is going to play out. This is how this offense is going to play out, right? This team's going to be run heavy. This team's going to be pass heavy. This team's not going to be good on offense, right? Tua is not going to be good enough. The, the dolphins are going to run too much because of Mike McDaniel. And I just said, Finally, by the end of the year, I was like, but what if that's not true? <laughs> like, Tua is good enough. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody with an actual brain said Tua is not competent enough to get the ball. To If Jimmy G can get the ball to Debo and Ayuk and those guys to win a lot of games, Tua can get the ball to Tyreek fucking Hill and Jalen Waddle. Like, come on. You know, with, with the actual mastermind of that offense. It was just, are they going to throw enough? You know, is is Tua going to be able to to make big plays or whatever? Which I get. And it was just like, why is everybody out on Ty- Tyreek Hill? Had gone in the first round for how many years? Like, what if Tyreek Hill's the one who makes the offense, not not the quarter, not the quarterback? Which is kind of turning out to be the case, right? Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are making the offense. And Tua and is really accurate. And Mostert, <laughs> most Mostert is awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, I didn't thank God I didn't draft much Chase Edmonds. Um, I have a little bit of, uh, of Mostert, uh, a little overweight, but anyway, Miami was one of those where it was like, yeah, uh, the, the market is just like everybody, the whole timeline, you know, the, the clips from camp of Tua not being able to throw downfield and all that was just shitting on Miami. And I was just like, yeah, but what if they're actually good? Yeah. Like they have all the pieces to be good, including a brilliant head coach and they're throwing, they're throwing like. I forget what the percentage is. I don't know if it's just been, I think it's just been in two starts, but like 13% pass rate over expectation. So like, they're not even a run. They're, they're a really pass heavy offense. And mm-hmm. so uh, that one, and then on the flip side, it's the bucks. It's hundred percent. The bucks. Yeah. Everybody just said, wash, rinse, repeat. It's Tom Brady. It's Chris Godwin. It's it's, they got Julio now, Russell Gage, right? Lenny is back. It's all good. Everybody just said everything is fine. And again, we got closer to the end of the offseason. And I was just like, I don't know, man. These guys are getting old. Uh, the offensive line is putrid, like really, really, like legit, really bad. And offensive line play is probably the thing we don't think to talk about enough over the course of the offseason. And I'm just like, what if like this is the end? <laughs> you know, like uh, I didn't foresee Giselle pulling out the voodoo doll and, and, <laughs> and, and doing it herself. But like, what if this is the end kind of, you know, for the bucks, it's not the end for like Godwin and Evans, but like Evans isn't a spring chicken anymore right. either. Maybe, maybe his eight Giselle definitely pulled out the voodoo doll on that bomb touchdown. that Evans uh, dropped this week that I could have caught that goddamn ball and ran in for a yeah. touchdown. He but, never drops that either. Oh my God. That was bad. But, you know what I mean? Like everybody was just so, so, so sure that Evans was a second round pick while, while Godwin was banged up over the off season. Lenny was a second, third round pick. Brady was going around, uh, you know, around Russ around who, who sucks obviously, but not that far after Lance. And I was told, Close I remember to Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. By Burrow. Brady was going by Burrow. How stupid does that look now? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, people were still taking Gronk after he retired because of this offense. Like, you know, it, it, the, the Bucks were the Bucks were kind of uh, I, I used this last year on, on the Saints and the Bucks were kind of like my house of cards offense. Like if things start to go bad, particularly mm-hmm. with this offensive line, this could be a total house of cards situation. And I, I, I do feel like, you know, there's plenty of time. They're not they're going to have some good games. But man, it, it, it doesn't look good in Tampa right now. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's going to be funny to watch that team get gutted next year because Evans mm-hmm. has to get traded. God, I mean, like you got to go Brady ain't coming back to this. Brady's not coming back to no. this. No. Lenny's got one year left. They'll figure out something to do with him. Evans will be gone. They'll bring yeah. in a, one, a young quarterback or something. Yeah, yeah they'll they'll get a new – yeah, they got to go full rebuild. Um, to hit on the Miami point, I mean, Tyreek has helped that offense, but let me tell you, of all the players in the NFL that I really like watching – for some reason, Waddle is just like one of my favorite wide receivers to watch. He he reminds like we always talk about like who's the next Cooper Cup, and I'm not saying he is Cooper Cup, but just to watch the way this dude gets wide open, like mm-hmm. on the majority of his routes, like he is he's so good, and I feel like he's still super underrated. Like I know people like like know who he is, but he might be a top ten wide receiver in the league. Like he is that good. He he played with he's he's this dude <clears throat> he finally got to show what he could do last year and mm-hmm. it was just unfortunately in kind of a dink and dunk situation right where he didn't really get to flash how good he was and people thought that's what he right people thought he was Rondale a, a juiced up Rondale Moore <laughs> or whatever you know but in reality this dude is a baller he was at Alabama if you watch those old when he was a freshman he was getting on the field behind Jerry Judy Devonta Smith and Henry Ruggs. And he was getting on the field mm-hmm. and like he just every time the dude would like run like eight routes a game and catch two touchdowns for 120 yards. Like he would. I'm not saying he's better necessarily than those guys. I, I, he was definitely better than Judy and Ruggs. Devonta Smith won the fucking Heisman. So I can't, I can't necessarily say he was better than him. But there's an argument to be made. He was always the best wide receiver on that Alabama team from like the moment he stepped on campus. And I think he's just been perennial, perennially underrated got hurt he's, he's gotten hurt uh, you know multiple different times throughout his college career and pro career and i think that has just kept people and then he's played with superstars right he's played with tyree kill played with the the bama guys and it's just keeping people like kind of off the scent of jalen waddle and that dude is just, that's a he's a fucking star man he's, he's so, good. so good man like he just i was watching him the other night and just like some of the routes he was running and how wide open he was i'm like i feel like nobody real like he's great like he is a great one um I'm glad I have 12% exposure to him. Miami's a good one. I wish I had a little more. I'm looking at like 9% Tyreek, which should be higher. Jalen's at 12. Um, Mostert, I got at 13% because I was big on Mostert last during the draft season because just the connection with Mike McDaniel and wanted to run that offense. And two is at 10% because of that little tear of him and Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. where I thought they were the final two. Um, I'm going to take the obvious one, I think. I mean... I was big on Philly all off season. And I think this is another point we've brought up that I need to make sure that we're hitting on next year is when a team is trying to tell you something in the off season, like loudly, like really loudly trying to tell you something you need to listen. And when a team is trading for a guy with the, the skill set of AJ Brown, they're not gonna. They're not gonna run the football. Spoiler alert. That's not what their intent's gonna be. So, I went. I hammered AJ Brown twenty percent. I hammered Devonta Smith twenty five percent. Jalen Hurts fourteen percent. Like, that's my victory lap. Is like I thought the Eagles passing game was gonna be wheels up this year, and it's even performing over my expectations. Yep. I ha- I was just pulling it up, <laughs> and 
I have 27% AJ Brown in BBM. The, the only thing that sucked is kind of with the zero RB bro, I got a lot of gain well, which, you know, there's I get, time I got a lot of gain well too. Yeah. There's time. There's time for that to hit. I've, he's, he's probably like my fourth or fifth highest on running or third or fourth highest on running back. Gainwell, 27%. Devonta Smith, 20%. Miles Sanders, 19%. Jalen Hurts, 16%. Dallas Goddard, 16%. So every one of the Eagles guys, 16% or higher in, in BBM. So I'm right there with you. Totally. Yes. And, and just to piggyback off this Eagles point, I think it makes it even more for, because uh, since we're talking about everything for next year, making sure that we have pieces of what we consider to be great offenses. So going into it, I thought the Eagles were going to be a great offense. I thought the Bills were, the Chiefs were. Hell, I might have even thought that the Broncos were going to be a great offense to be if we're going to be transparent. Not great. Can, can, we need to put a small caveat. Like, And not even that I thought they were going to be that, that the upside that you got on the Broncos players was like, I mean, you were getting potentially – no, I'm not saying they're the same players, but DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in the fourth, fifth round and uh, super the best running back Russell Wilson has ever Russell Wilson made Carson Chris Carson into like an awesome running back and Rashad Penny and all that. Yeah. And you're getting a superstar young running back at the two, three turn or whatever. So um, just the upside was was crazy. And what an epic. <laughs> Albert O isn't even goddamn active on game days anymore. Can they trade him, please? They need to trade him. Like I need Alberto to go to a spot where yes, please, he has, God. please for for my wallet. <laughs> I I need two things to happen. My dogs right need now. to eat. My yeah. dogs need to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're on our last bin of food right over here for Gotham. <laughs> it's his birthday. He was please. eating a toy in the corner of the room because yeah, he's, he's so like, fucking hungry. I mean, he got, his, <laughs> he got his birthday dinner with his steak and stuff, but I told him this is probably it. It's <laughs> like, we need to ration this. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's like eat a... it slow eat, dogs. Don't eat slow. <laughs> but you, you said you better eat that slow. Cause it might be a little while. Alberto's not even playing on Sundays. We have a 10 pound container of food. I'm probably going to have to start splitting it with you because <laughs> I don't know if I can eat like this. Please, please trade Alberto because. <laughs> I need to feed my family, which is me and my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's one trade I need to happen, and I need this Kareem Hunt trade to just absolutely yes. manifest so yes. that my dearness bags can start to look good again. Uh, and it seems like – but who's going to trade for Kareem Hunt now is like what I was trying to figure out earlier. I don't know. Other... These these NFL teams are obsessed with these goddamn running backs, man. <laughs> it's great. If you've ever been good in the NFL at running back, somebody wants you. That they're either going to trade for you or pick you up off the street. Latavius Murray is like older than I'm 34. Latavius Murray is older than me out here and getting signed. Not only getting signed, the coach is like, I'm so excited to play Latavius Murray. I'm like, that dude probably can't wake up, can't get out of bed on Monday mornings because his body hurts so bad. And this coach is like juiced up to give him 20 carries. Like these, right. these coaches and these running backs is crazy. So I, I kind of think somebody's going to going to trade for Hunt. Um, God, and it's so sad. I mean, we've seen it posted on Twitter a thousand times, but it's so true. The perfect spot for Hunt is Kansas City, and I just don't know if they'll do it. But they should. Who cares? I mean, like, like they. It won't cost. It won't cost. It won't cost that much. I think they should. Right. I'm just looking at it like if they're worried about it from like a PR standpoint. Like this is a guy that we cut for or traded or whatever they did to get rid of him for like you know disciplinary reasons for the most part, but. He hasn't done anything else like 
second I mean, chance. They didn't give a shit about Tyreek's problems. So right. Really, what's the difference? Right. Like that was your stand. Yeah, it's because a video came out. Right. Like as soon as the video comes out. But yeah, at this point, he hasn't done anything else. And Kareem Hunt on that Chiefs team, it's oh, uh. We, Damian we Williams did. on steroids. The old when Damian Williams was the man there on absolute steroids. Yeah, so I I hope that I hope he goes somewhere or even Dearness. Trade Dearness. Do something. Throw me a bone here. Like we are we are going to be starving. We need these. Yeah. Yes. We need these things Please. to happen. Please. Please. Let us uh, also, can the Rams trade for some uh, offensive line play? Because Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers has literally quit. Cam Akers went to the island with with Will, with Will I was Fuller. Just <laughs> Cam Akers went to go hang out with Will Fuller for the rest of the season. And I, Daryl Henderson, I have like 35%. He's my highest owned player, I think. Uh, him and Gabe, him and Gabe, Daryl Henderson, my highest owned running back. And it's useless on the Super Bowl champs. It's yeah. useless because their offensive line is a bunch of you uh, and I's out there trying to, trying to block NFL defensive linemen. Like, can we get some, can we get some blocking, please? I mean, I'd love for Elijah Moore to be traded, uh, Sir Sheba, but, but. Let's be real here. Let's be real here. The the Jets are not trading Elijah Moore. No, no. Like, come on. Like, demanding a trade in your second year is absolutely wild because you didn't get tar- – I mean, I'd want to trade too if I was playing with Zach Wilson. Yeah. This dude cannot, like, play football to save his life. They are better off with Joe Flacco in at quarterback, which is like in the year 2022, something I've never Mind thought blowing. I would say in my life. Re- Really quick, really quick on that. I do just want to say, like, it's 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 ridiculous that he kind of threw a pity party and like demanded a trade. You know, like uh, in the heat of the moment, probably it's it's at least how it seemed. Maybe it was it's been building up, but in the heat of the moment. But I do like, I I, I do just feel like we should be pro player in like all these situations. Like he was a second round. He wasn't a first round pick. He was a second round pick. Mm-hmm. He hasn't made that much money yet. He's proven he's good. I think I think we can all agree he's proven that that he's maybe not a, maybe some would agree not a superstar but like I think he's proven that he's probably deserving of the bag whatever you would like to call the bag he's gonna get life changing money in a contract from an NFL team and this offense is holding him back from doing that now it's his second year but the average NFL career is very short he could go out and Three get years. smoked he could go out and get smoked in an NFL game and never make any money you know ever again. And 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 never have a chance to to you know set his family up because he's playing with this loser Mormon uh, quarterback that like can't you know complete a pass to anybody, and so like I think it was a little over the top of what he did, but I also like man I feel for these dudes because it's like he's like I dude I got two years to prove that I can make life changing money and I'm never gonna do it here. He's like. I, he sees the writing on the wall, you know, he sees, he has no shot of getting, you know, a hundred million dollars or whatever playing with this team. Right. And just to hit on these second year wide receivers, uh, Vadim says Tony to Kansas city though, dude, how many injuries do you think Tony's going to sustain on his flight from New York <laughs> to Kansas city? You can't trade for that guy. He's going to, he's going to tear both quads. He's going to tear a bicep going through the security. There's no chance that Kadarius Tony can safely make it to Kansas city um if he got traded there the the steps up on a pj are like kind of small he'd like roll his ankle or something like that it It would it would just be like the dumbest movie sequence of all time where you just see this guy just (laughs) 
trying to get just adding a brace every time by the time he gets to kansas city he's in a full body cast he, he would he would get on the plane looking healthy and he would show up with like a neck brace on to... <laughs> what happened i sat in the wrong seat you don't want to even yeah, know what exactly what we hit turbulence and i <laughs> sprained my neck i'm out for the next four weeks um is there anything else you kind of wanted to hit on for the mid-year point of the show um i, I was just going to say to wrap we should kind of look forward and say, okay, here's what's happened. What is there anything that you, is there anything that you think maybe like different moving forward? Right. So we kind of talked quickly at the top that it was like, oh yeah, you get to week seven and everybody's like, oh, look at my advanced rate. And I drafted X amount of this player, right? Last year at this time, if you, if you went all in on Derrick Henry, you had the greatest advance rate of all time and you were drawing dead when you got to the playoffs that was an injury, but there's also like performance changes, right? Elijah Moore has been stone dust and I expect he's going to be stone dust the rest of the year, but you know, things change, right? Amon Ross St. Brown comes on, breaks out. Is there anything that you've thought about that? Like maybe not even necessarily is like, it's just been bad, but might mm-hmm. change or, or you like have high hopes for, right? I don't have high hopes for Elijah Moore, but there might be players moving forward that haven't been great that I do still have high hopes for and like feel good about if they're on my teams. I mean, this is kind of like a cop-out answer because it's not evergreen and basically by this time next week we'll know. It, it is the trade deadline. I think NFL teams are more apt to trade players now. Like when we were kids, like mm-hmm. can you even remember – a significant in-season trade like it just didn't happen like you mm-hmm. you stood pat and i think teams are starting to evaluate their rosters and be like well we definitely can't win this year we need to plan for the future and if we trade who just got traded i, I already forget who was you had the james robinson trade james robinson james robinson <laughs> was one of the trades um yeah, but like trades like that wouldn't even happen. James Robinson, CMC, 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 that's the one I'm looking for. <laughs> so like yeah. the CMC trade would have never happened when we were kids. It just it would not have, you know, like because if that's the case, Barry Sanders would have got traded at yeah, some point. Yeah, true, true. Right, like Barry Sanders would have got traded, and they would have started building for the future. But they they wouldn't do that. So hoping not everyone's going to get traded that we want to get traded. Like teams are still a little reserved on it. But that's starting to happen more. You're starting to see it happen more like the other sports where teams understand, like, we have a window. Some of these players are great. And look at the CMC trade. I don't think either team really lost that trade. And if anyone did, it's probably San Francisco. Yeah, correct. Right? Like, if mm-hmm. anyone lost the trade, it's San Francisco because they're going all in to win now. And if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, potentially next year, so that trade was very costly. The Rams are starting to do this more, more so in the offseason, but they're making trades and they're just they got rid of all of their their draft picks to to win a Super Bowl. And it was successful. You win a Super Bowl in the NFL, you did something successful, even yep. if you mortgage your future for the next five years. It's so hard to win. So in terms of best ball, understanding that you know CMC is going to be an outlier, probably. We never drafted CMC with the thesis being that he was going to get traded, right? You were never like, I'm drafting CMC number one overall <laughs> because he's probably going to end up on a Super Bowl contender 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm doing it. Like you can't go into the season like that, but like some of these guys that we're worried about, we can now like really like, you know, cross our fingers. Like, God, I hope they trade this guy. Cause now CMC is way more valuable than Jonathan Taylor. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. CMC was going to be one of my guys that like projecting forward. If you have a team that's not like dead, right. You don't have Trey Lance, Javante, whatever mm-hmm. on your CMC team. Like I would be jacked. Like if that team is like, if that team is advancing already, I would be very excited. If that team was like within a hundred points or something, I would yep. be like seriously excited. If I had a team that I looked at and said, okay, you know, it's healthy. Everything around it is fine. Right. The, the, the guy, you know, you don't want Kenny Galladay's a bunch of Kenny Galladay's on it. But like, if, if everything else is fine and I had a CMC team that I felt good about, I would be really excited about that team. Cause he's, I think he's going to go nuts. I think so too. And, and I think that was part, and I'm like, I'm saying that wasn't part of the thesis of drafting CMC one over Jonathan Taylor. But I also think that little caveat, and I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Like everyone was <laughs> so convinced that Jonathan Taylor was the one-on-one and we going back to handcuffing yourself. Like maybe we take a step back next year when we see what the top three are and yeah. should we be evaluating that more? So overall, Right now, I'm really like sweating the trade deadline to answer the question. What about you? I like, I, I like that. I was gonna do, um, maybe not <clears throat> again, kind of, kind of like my, my bucks. Can I, can I cut in real quick? Just the, just a sorry, but Dearness Johnson was part of that plan for the trade deadline. Yeah, 100%. So, like, we didn't know when it was gonna, we, we, no one said I predict it's gonna happen before the season, right? right. Hunt or Hunt or Dearness getting traded. But the point was, you have outs to either one of those guys getting traded, and then both of them get a huge boost. Yeah. And my There's highest, so many outcomes. My or, high, Chubb gets hurt, or Chubb right, gets hurt. Right, right. And my highest scoring BBM team right now has Chubb and Kareem Hunt, which was never drafted with the intent that they were going to play on the same team all year. Right. It was drafted with the intent that Hunt was going to get traded. If you drafted Chubb and Hunt, it was with the intent that – so you can mm-hmm. still do it. I'm not saying like – like so as I'm drafting teams again next year, there are guys that I'm going to be targeting like maybe I'm going to draft him – at this spot because it's going to make sense for the team to move them. So just to expand upon that a little bit, I think you can play into that when you're drafting your teams next year, but you have to be selective on who you're doing that with. I totally agree. My, like I said, my, my kind of uh, projecting forward take is uh, maybe I'm just being doomsday today. I guess I was positive about the dolphins, but my, uh, the, the, it's like a bucks esque take where, we're, we already started to see this with the Colts where they were like, look, they, 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 they looked inside and they said, we're not winning the Super Bowl. We're not winning the Super Bowl, which is like, honestly, more teams should do this. Like from an NFL perspective, this is smart. Teams are teams are basically probably looking at what the NBA and, and Major League Baseball are doing, where the teams that realize that they can't win are tanking, rebuilding, right? Trying to get and in the NFL. NBA teams are doing it and there's a lottery. If if you're the worst team in the NBA, you would get like a 13% chance or whatever it is to get the first overall pick and teams are still tanking just to try to get more, you know, uh ping pong balls in the little thing. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, it's a you get the first pick. There's no lottery. You you finish last in the league, you get the first pick. So there's way more incentive for these teams when things start to go south to shut it down. 
And yeah. I, I actually don't think the Colts are shutting it down. I think that they're just like, Matt Ryan, it, It's fuck, he's fucking dust. Like, this is over. So we might as well see what we got in Ellinger. And if he sucks, he sucks, and we lose. We're going to lose anyway. They were going to lose with Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. So actually, I think some of the takes on that were a little, you know, weird. But they're like, what do we have to lose? Maybe, El- maybe Ellinger is just a little bit better. Or he sucks and we lose games, we're going to lose. We'll get a top five pick and it's all good. I think we're going to see probably some unexpected teams shut it down, down the stretch. And it's going to have huge implications on, on best ball. Two teams, we, we mentioned one, the Bucks. I'm very concerned about the Bucks getting to a point where if they keep losing, a Tom Brady is not going to be interested in playing in week 17, right? If you have a buck stack and they're they're five and whatever, five and fourteen and or five and fourteen, five and, and eleven in, in week seventeen, do you think that they're like Tom Brady's gonna give a shit? No, no, he's not gonna play. They're gonna play Kyle Trask or whatever, and Evans isn't gonna play, and Lenny's not gonna play. So maybe that's good for Rashad White, but you're, you're not going to ha- enjoy Buck stacks. I, I have very real concerns. Now, they're tied for first in their division. That's the only like caveat yeah, to that. Yeah. Their division is their absolutely garbage, putrid. Um, it's also the only saving grace I have for my Marcus Mariota and Kyle Pitts teams. I'm really concerned with the Packers. Yeah. They also really suck. They're real, like they're really bad and they're losing players. Um, so I'm I, I and Aaron Rodgers is kind of the same thing. Like, why would Aaron Rodgers play later in the year if they if it's over and they have Jordan Love, right? So it's even more apparent with the Packers. It's like we might as well play Jordan. We spent a first round pick on this kid, and the season's over. Let's Eight play. years ago, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Pre COVID, Rodgers Rodgers didn't come out as a, a COVID denier, uh, you know, before uh, they drafted Aaron Rod or uh, Jordan Love, but they're not very good. Very real concerns about the Packers shutting it down. And then the, the, the one that's the scariest for me is the Rams. Mm. They're bad. They're, they're, they, are, they are bad. Their division is like up for grabs because kind of each team keeps beating each other up and, and, and whatever. And Jimmy G punts off enough games that uh, the Niners don't run away with it, even though they should. But, man, their, their offense is just not good, and the defense is not good enough to, to continue to win them games. The extra wild card helps all these teams, but I think we're going to get to, I don't know specifically who it is, but we're going to get to week 15, 16, 17. And some of these teams that we did not expect are going to be shutting it down and, you know, NBA, NBA tank style, right? The, if, if anybody watches the NBA, you get to you get to February and, and the thunder are playing, you know, a bunch of dudes playing at the Y from, from they picked up from the YMCA. And that, that's what, that's, what's going to be going on in the NFL on a couple teams that I'm, I'm legit worried about for, for best ball playoffs. I'm going to give us some kudos though, because we were real low on the Packers going into the season. I remember doing I like those. No Packers. I've, I've literally like zero Packers, some Tunyon. Tunyon, I think. Tunyon's probably it. my most owned Packer for sure. I I would assume like that's how that checks out for me. Um, but yeah, it's how do I find Green Bay? There we go. Um, yeah, ton Tunyon. No one is, over four percent. I have no one over four percent. I Tunyon, AJ Dillon, and then Aaron Jones. I have eighteen percent Tunyon. Um, just because I liked him late in drafts. But point being. Kudos to us because we were like, we're not drafting these Green Bay Packers. This team looks like it's set up for a disaster. But on the flip side, 
we didn't think that about the Bucks. We didn't think that about the Rams, right? And I do think that both of those teams can still bail themselves out late yeah. in the year. I don't think Green Bay can bail themselves out. I think no. they are just absolute, absolute dust. This eh. this week was bad, like really bad for them. Losing to Washington with Taylor Heineke was really bad. Yeah, and we and I still don't understand why Washington played Heineke and not Howell, but you know here we are. Uh, so I think that's going to kind of do it for me on on this. We hit a lot of the points that I wanted to hit personally for for this particular show. And like I said, this is one that I'm probably going to bookmark and go back and watch in February when we start. Can you believe that we're going to be gearing up for the new season God. already in February? It's almost like, November. This yeah. is nuts. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we already have to start looking forward to February for this. But here we are. Uh, best ball season just never ends. <laughs> it's just, it is just 24 seven on the go. And uh, yeah. So anything you wanted to add before we get out of here? Um, I was just going to add, uh, you mentioned earlier that, playoff best ball season is probably coming soon we will mm-hmm. definitely be supporting that obviously with content and draft streams and and written content and rankings and uh strategy articles and all of that uh but we also have already started to set up um both draft iq and the draft overlays to support uh playoff best ball so if you're a premium subscriber you have access to the browser extension you like it's ready to like lock and load on the playoff best ball contest. So like as you're drafting, you'll be able to see, right. The correlations and how much exposure you have to players and stacks and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I'm already pretty excited about that. And then I had mentioned before, I think in the discord that we are not totally pivoting, but, but slightly pivoting to uh, a little bit different content schedule and, and scheme figuring out exact, like, pinning that down 100% here in the next couple of days, but you're, you're going to start to see probably tomorrow some uh, new content kind of methods from us on the media side that uh, I'm also pretty, I'm also pretty excited about. I think, it, I think it's going to be more helpful as we support uh, battle royales and, you know, uh, week to week best ball content. I love the live streams. We're going to keep doing those because I love just talking to you guys, but also from a usefulness of the content, side of things i want to deliver maybe some shorter form stuff that you guys can you know uh, uh consume quicker than listening to us talk for an hour you know you don't yeah. need to listen to us talk for an hour and a half to hear about how we Every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um so what i'm gonna end with right now is the battle royal um standings the top three right oh, now the, ro- the hold on the royal rumble the royal rumble sorry yeah yeah i'm in last you said you, said you are in last so Shout out to you for having to do uh, something crazy that we end up coming up a, with. I have a Bears onslaught and Trey Lance on, yeah, on, on, on this team. It's, I don't know. I was drunk. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Overzet is in first with 876.76 points. Shocking number two, we have Dan Bach. And oh, And Chess Liam just gets to three because he's uh, a homer and only drafted three bills. Yeah, he only drafted the bills. Yeah, he literally only drafted all of the bills, but he's in third with 810.20. I am in eighth place with 759.70. Sad times. Javante Williams really hurt this roster, Mm. but I still have faith that we can come back and win it. And Eric Bimefor, the only person still in the 600s. Behind Chris Spaggs, who 
actually drafted Drew Locke on his <laughs> on his team. You are in last place with six hundred and ninety-two point seventy-two points. Do you think Good that Lord. you'll be able to pass Spag so that you're not in last place by the end of the year? No, no, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely not. Uh, the last I looked, I don't remember the team. I know that I have uh, a like a bear, literally like a Bears onslaught. Fields, Montgomery, Mooney. I I I, speci- I don't remember um, everything from that. It was a marathon stream, and it was a lot of fun, and I was mostly just enjoying hanging out. I auto picked Michael Gallup, and I think Jamison Williams. Do mm-hmm. I have those two guys on the, on that team? Um, so you that's not good. You do. Those are your last two wideouts. Yeah. So so generally in a twelve team league where there's no playoffs and you're just trying to you know win the regular season, it's probably not very good to pick the guys that are not going to play uh, during the regular season. So that has very much hurt. Um, Kelsey, you you have guy. Kelsey, but you know who that's you good. have for your second tight end. So we can give you a little bit of props. You have Dolchich as your second tight end. Oh, so that, baby. Dolch is going to be playing in the flex for me real quick. That, that's fun. But if we looked at your running backs, it's Montgomery, Henderson, Gainwell, Daryl Williams, Gus Edwards, and Donta Foreman. Oh, uh, oh, ooh, I, maybe I what's Spags team? The, Spag, the running backs are okay. So Foreman, Spags, Foreman, Foreman is fine now. Uh, Gus is fine now. Spags had Prescott, Tannehill, and Locke on his team. And God, is Tannehill Gross. bad. So, so, so that team I told you about with, with Overzet, our, our big dog, is Jalen Hurts. But for some reason, we have Tannehill and Zach Wilson as quarterbacks. And, like, we played Zach Wilson seven over Tannehill. Like, it's just it's just <laughs> so crazy how bad they are. That shows you why bye weeks don't matter, if anything. Yeah. Like, if anything. Um, I think we said this last week. I think, I think Pete tweeted it. I, I'll screw up the names or whatever. But it, it was like. By week, bros, so pumped to head into week seven with Cole Komet to cover there. You know, Dawson knocks by for his whopping two points. I don't even know if he got two. I don't even know if right. he got two points. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's that's what's going on in the Royal Rumble, which I'm looking forward to doing again next year. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, but I think that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Spike Week Football Show. A little bit longer. We will be having shorter form content coming out as discussed, and we'll be starting that tomorrow. So until next time, we'll see you later. Peace.